This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Welcome to church, everybody. Man, I am so, so glad that you're here. If you're brand new to New Life, my name is Kevin. I'm going to guide us through our time together this morning. And you could not have picked a better day because if you're brand new, we're wrapping up the end of a summer-long series called Summer of Love. Basically, this is what that means to you. You get to read the last chapter of the story and find out the very end without having to read the whole thing. So that's a really good thing. I'm glad you're here. You're coming in at a great time in the church. Next week, we're going to be launching into uh, what we're calling A Day Like No Other, which is going to lead us into a series that I'm so excited about. You truly do not want to miss next week. It's going to be absolutely incredible. We have some fun things up our sleeves, some unexpected stuff. We're going to be dreaming together, visioning together. You are going to love it. You're going to love it. Well, when you came in, you should have gotten a program, and if I could reach it, I would show you what it looks like, but I trust that you are intelligent. You know what a program looks like. It looks like a program. So go ahead and grab that thing that looks like a program, open it up, grab that Connect card, and fill it out, because at some point throughout the morning, uh, I'm going to ask you to do something with it. So you're going to want to get that ready. Uh, And if you are brand new, by the way, please don't feel any obligation to give us your information, but here's why we would love it. Because we want to help you connect with this community. We believe that as you explore God with us, at some point you're going to want to connect more deeply with God. And the Connect Card information helps us get you connected to this community, helps you get connected to God. So make sure you get that information filled out. And if you are a guest with us today, um, we have a gift for you because you are a gift to us. So before you leave, there's a bag in the lobby. It says guest gift. That's for you. I want to make sure that you grab that. Well, how many of you were raised in Sonoma County? Go ahead and raise your hand if you're a native of Sonoma County. All right, so like this half of the room is Sonoma County. I'm guessing this crew is mostly Southern California, like me. I was raised in Pasadena area. That's, yeah, we like to sit on the right in Southern California. That's, that's good. So you're in the left in Sonoma County. It's a joke. It's a joke, okay? We're not, we're not, that's not the topic today. Not the topic today. Uh, here's what I found about Sonoma County. Sonoma County people love to serve. There's something in the DNA in our county, especially in Petaluma and Roner Park. We just, we love to serve people. Uh, I live on a cul-de-sac. I moved in in February. And on my little street, we have the former mayor. Uh, we have the executive director of a teen advocacy group. Uh, we have the person that used to be the director of the Committee on the Shelter List, COTS. Uh, we have a, a Chamber of Commerce member. We have one of the city planners of Marin. All living on my street, my little tiny street. I feel very inept. Uh, living next to them. And none of these people, none of them would say that they are Jesus followers, not one. But there's something in every single one of them, from their different backgrounds, from their different experiences, something deep inside of them that draws them to want to serve. And I think the thing that draws them to want to serve is the thing that we've been talking about all summer long, that God is a creative God, and God serves and loves us in very unique ways through what we're saying, five love languages. God loves us through things like physical touch by reaching out to us. God loves us by the words that he speaks. God loves us by spending quality time with us. Uh, God loves us by giving gifts, and God loves us through service. And we've been exploring all those topics, how we can love God doing that, and how we can love other people using those five love languages, because we believe that if we love like God loved, 
that we will live an incredible life, a life worth telling stories about, uh, a life worth getting up in the morning for. And I believe the thing in my street, the thing in the DNA of the people in Sonoma County that draws them to serve, even though they have no relationship with God, even though they probably wouldn't say this is true, I would tell you this is true. They were created, we are created in God's image, and God is a loving God, and God is a serving God, and God is a good God, and God is a compassionate God. Maria just talked to us in communion about the reality that God wrapped himself in flesh in Jesus Christ, and he came to this earth not to, not to be served, not as a conquering king, because he could have, but he came to serve and to give his life as a sacrifice on a cross to pay the penalty for our sins so we could have a, a relationship with our Heavenly Father. God is a, is a good God. God is a loving God. God is a serving God, and God created us in his own image. And so when we serve, when we love, when we give, we are actually expressing the thumbprint of God on our lives, which is why in Sonoma County, I would say that even people who have no desire to know God at this point, we love to serve. Because it's within us. It reveals that we were created by God to serve. And I would say this, in the church, the more that we get to know God, the more that we fall in love with God, the more we experience God loving us, the more we are designed to serve. And the more we want to give our lives away in service. And so today, as we wrap up our Summer of Love series, I want to talk about service, specifically serving in our community and serving around the world. And I want to talk about it with this question in mind. This is the the key question that I'm going to try to explore today. And I want to really dig down deep into it. Why did God design us to serve? If we believe that God did actually design us to serve, it's in our DNA. We, we feel better when we serve. We have a sense of purpose when we serve. Why did God design us to serve? Is it God's dream that we would free the world from things like injustice and, and pain and suffering and, and inequality and violence? Is that God's dream? Is that why he designed us to serve? I think ultimately that's God's dream. I think that one day in eternity, God will end all pain, end all suffering, end all violence. In fact, at the end of the Bible, we see a picture of God where it says that, that God actually will wipe every tear from our eyes. There will be no more hurt and pain, that God himself will put an end to all of that. But when we look at the world around us, we see that roughly 3.1 million children under the age of five die of malnutrition every year. And to give some context for that, there are uh, 3.8 million people in L.A. So if you think about almost all of L.A. being wiped out every year, and that's just children under the age of five who die of malnutrition. Uh, We think back in history, we think about World War I, and they said that this is the great war. This is the war to end all wars. But since the end of World War I, there has not been a single day without some sort of armed conflict in in our world. We found out recently as I was doing some research that roughly 12 to 27 million people are caught up in some form of slavery today around the world. Uh, Roughly uh, half of those are children, I believe. Let me see. Three out of four are women and and half are children. And it's anything from, from sex slavery to forced labor to human trafficking. And it's incredibly painful. So the question is, is God's great desire that we would end all pain all suffering, all injustice today? Because if that's God's desire for for today, then either God is impotent to do what God wants to do, God's not powerful, God cannot do what he wants to do, or we as a, a community are failing. 
And that's the tension that we live in, if we believe that that's it. But I think there's actually something even deeper to service than ending injustice today. I think that's an incredible byproduct. I think when we serve, we do some incredible stuff. We ease some suffering. We ease some pain. And that's a a great byproduct of it. But I believe there's something deeper to it that God wants us to explore. I think God designed us to serve in such a a way uh, that we would be able to unleash compassion in our city unleash compassion around the world, and that we wouldn't get discouraged, we wouldn't get downhearted, we wouldn't see the pain around us, and, and just think it's, it's hopeless. Because God gives us a vision for service in the Bible, uh, and it goes deeper than simply doing good. Doing good's a great thing. I, I put on Facebook recently, why do you think God created you to serve, or why do you think you were created to serve? And people wrote back things like, well, I'm created to do good. Uh, I feel better when I serve. People, who, Christians, gave me a few Bible verses. You know, this is why I serve, because God says to do it. And then my question becomes, well, why does God say to do it? What's the payoff in it? In Mark chapter 2, which is, if you're new to this whole Christianity thing, Mark chapter 2, Mark is a biography of Jesus' life. There are four accounts of Jesus' life that we have recorded. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they're incredibly uh, detailed, the most detailed uh, kind of accounts we have of any historical figure in terms of accuracy, in terms of getting it right, figuring it out. And it's a story of Jesus in Mark chapter 2 that gives us a picture as to why we serve. And so we're going to explore that today. We're going to be in Mark chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. And here's how it starts off. It says, a few days later. And if you're ever reading the Bible on your own and you get to a part where it says, a few days later, you always want to figure out, a few days later then, what? What was just happening? And so this is a few days after Jesus just went into this town and he healed his best friend Peter's mother. And then the whole town came together and he was healing people. He was serving them. He was doing miracles and he was teaching them. A few days after that, a few days later, Jesus again entered Capernaum and the people heard that he had come. So they gathered in such large numbers, there was no room left in the house, not even outside the door. So they've just, they've rushed in and he preached the word of God to them. So Jesus has just finished healing people and teaching about God, and and people are so drawn to him that they find out he's back in this town, and they just rush. They just rush to him. And church, that's my dream. That's my dream for myself. That's my dream for you, that that as you experience God, you'd be so drawn to him. You'd be so captivated by him. You You would be so transformed by his love and his forgiveness that you would rush to Jesus that we would run to Jesus. I've said this before. I said that my, my hope and my dream for new life is that when the worship starts, it's like Walmart on Black Friday. People just rush the doors to get in here. I mean, I, I just want us to not be able to get enough of Jesus. And so that's what happens. People are running to Jesus. And as they're transformed, they're bringing other people along. And maybe you've had that experience. You started coming to church and you met God in a real way, and it changed you. And then you started inviting your friends. You got to come to this church because you thought it was the church, but it, it's not the church. It's the fact that Jesus is changing you. But she said, you got to come to this church with me. And then your friends started coming and your, your spouse started coming and your kids started coming in and their lives were changed. And it was incredible. And that's exactly what happens. There are these guys in verse three. Some men came and they were running to see Jesus and they see a paralyzed guy on the ground. And that's not an uncommon thing in the ancient world. In the ancient world, people were sick and hurting and there was no modern medicine. There was no rehab. So last week I ruptured my Achilles tendon. If I lived in the ancient world, I would probably be crippled for life because of it. Because there, there was no way to repair that, to care for that. You couldn't ride incredible scooters. You know, you didn't get people opening doors for you. You were just left on the side of the road to beg for money, to beg for food to survive. And these guys knew that. So they're running to Jesus and they see one crippled man, one man that's paralyzed, and they pick him up. And there are probably others, but they they saw this one. And they carried him, four of them carried him. And they couldn't get to Jesus because of this crowd. 
And so they made an opening in the roof. They dug through, and Jesus is teaching. All of a sudden, the, the roof starts to open up. And they dug through, and then they lowered the man on his mat that he was lying on down to Jesus. And I want to say something just as we get started talking about this. I just shared with you some pretty overwhelming statistics about hunger, malnutrition, about slavery, uh, about uh, conflict and war and violence. And if we're not careful, there are some of us in this room who we hear stats like that and we just freeze up. We say there's too much pain in the world. There's too much suffering in the world. All I can do is I can, I can be like an ostrich, stick my head in the sand, pray that it doesn't happen to me or my family and not do anything. And that's not God's desire for us. God's desire for us is that we would look at the pain and we would see the need, but we wouldn't freeze up. Instead, when we think about serving others, some of us need to know this. We should try to do for someone what we wish we could do for everyone. We should try to do for someone what we wish we could do for everyone. And some of us in here, man, we try to do for everyone. And I'm not talking to you because you already know this, but some of us in here, we don't serve anyone because we think we can't serve everyone. These guys had a lot of people that were homeless, that were crippled, that were begging on the streets, but they saw one man. They said, we want to do for someone what we wish we could do for everyone. I can't make a meal for everyone who's in pain, but I can make a meal for someone who's in pain. I can't help everyone with car trouble, but I can help someone with car trouble. I can't meet every need, but maybe I can meet, meet that need. And that's what these guys did. They're running to Jesus, and they see someone. They know they can't help everyone, but they can help someone. And they pick him up, and they, they run to Jesus because they see a paralyzed man, and they know Jesus is a healer. He just finished healing people. That was this miracle he was doing. That's why everyone came to him, because he's doing a miracle. So they pick him up. They serve him because they know this guy cannot get to Jesus. And they think if we just serve him, if we pick him up, God will do a miracle. He'll ease the man's suffering. He'll ease the man's pain. He'll, get him, he'll help him to walk. And then the story takes a twist. In verse 5, it says, it says this. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, your legs are fixed, you're healed, get up and walk. No, he didn't say that. I just want to make sure you're paying attention. Are you paying attention? He didn't say that. He didn't say that. He, he looked at the paralyzed man who was paralyzed, and he said, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, there were some teachers of the law who were standing around, and they were thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. He's making himself equal to God. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Verse 9, which is easier, to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and take your mat and walk. But so that you know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, I say to you, get up, take your mat, go home. And the paralyzed man got up, took his mat in full view of them, and they were amazed. And everybody was praising God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. So if you were around last week, you know I, I did. I ruptured my Achilles playing soccer. I'm an older man playing a younger man's sport, and it caught up to me. But you know what? It doesn't going to stop me. I'll be playing again once it's healed. And the next day, after I ruptured my Achilles, went to the hospital that night. They said, yeah, you ruptured your Achilles. It's definitely torn. Might be all the way gone. Go to a specialist tomorrow. They wrapped me in a cast, sent me to a specialist the next day. I got to the specialist the next day, and a ton of you had been praying for me that God would heal my leg. And he cut off the temporary cast, and my leg felt really good. There was no pain. Here's what I thought to myself. God healed me. This is incredible. 
I, I'm so excited. No cast. You know, I'm, I'm heading to India in about a month, so no walking boot for India. This is amazing. And then this intern came in, not even the doctor, an intern, and he had a, another intern with him, and I think he was showing off for her. I don't know for sure, but he grabs my leg to show how strong he is, and he pinches my Achilles, and he says, how's that feel? And it was the most excruciating pain I've ever felt in my life. And I said, oh, so that hurts a little bit. He said, oh, does that hurt? I said, yeah, yeah, that hurts. Apparently, Jesus did not immediately heal me. I thought I'd need to go to a Pentecostal church. thought I was healed. But when he grabbed my, my leg, I realized I'm, I'm not healed. And I got to tell you, there was something in me that was a little bit let down by God. Like, God, why didn't you heal my immediate pain now? And I think that might be the way that this man felt. See, Jesus looks at this man and he says, your sins are forgiven. And the paralyzed man probably thought, what do you mean my sins are forgiven? I've been paralyzed, maybe since birth, maybe since an accident. I am paralyzed. I am begging for food. I can, I can barely make it. If you're a guy, you know how incredibly hard this would be if you've ever hurt yourself, broken a bone, been incapacitated, to have to, to, have to beg for food, to have to live on the charity of others. I can tell you just in the last week and a half, one of the diff, most difficult things has not been the pain in my leg. One of the most difficult things has been not being able to, to care for my children the way I want to, to help my wife the way I want to. It's been incredibly humbling. And I think Jesus, Jesus, she says this to this guy, and this guy's thinking, what are you, what are you, what are you talking about? And I think the men who brought Jesus were thinking the same thing. What do you mean his sins are forgiven? We just lugged this guy on a mat. We dug a hole in a roof. We lowered him down to you so you could heal him, so you could serve him. We're serving him. We want you to serve him. I used to think that, that as a Jesus follower, our primary role in service, the primary reason that we served— was to ease suffering and to heal pain now. I used to think that was the deepest foundation for why we served. And and I want to say that is an incredible byproduct, that God does want us to ease suffering, that God does want us to heal pain, that one day in heaven God will ultimately heal suffering and he will ultimately heal pain. But I think there's something that goes even deeper than that. And some of you are going to push back a little bit. But I think there's something that goes even deeper than that. Because if our main goal is to ease suffering and to end pain here in this world, then it produces some unintended side effects. And I listed off three unintended side effects. One is it leaves us feeling disillusioned because ultimately you're going to realize, like I did when I hit my late 20s, that we cannot end all suffering, all pain, all poverty here today. We just can't. The world is, is getting worse. Why? Because there's sin in our world. If you don't believe that there's sin in our world, Think about atrocities that are happening to children and women around the world. Think about um, the fact that people, even though there's plenty of food, people are starving to death. There is sin, and it infects all of us. And as long as sin is here, there will be, there will be pain. And it leaves us feeling disillusioned because, because my service is just a drop in the ocean of need. Another unintended side effect that can happen when we, when we think serving in and of itself is the end is that it produces feelings of superiority. I feel better than you. I have it better than you. That's why I want to serve you. That's why I want to to serve you. It leaves us feeling superior to other Christians sometimes. One of my pet peeves is Christians who love to serve, who hate the church, because they think the church isn't serving enough. That just drives me crazy. But it's an unintended side effect of serving with the wrong motives. If we serve thinking that our goal is to end pain, then we think, well, why can't you serve like I serve? Because if we all just served, then we'd end in pain. And then finally, it puts the focus on us. If our primary goal in ending 
ending pain, in service is ending pain, then it puts the focus accidentally back on you. I'm helping because I'm a good person. That was what I got on Facebook a lot. I like to help because it makes me feel good. I like to help because uh, I have resources that I can give out. I like to help basically because I'm a, I'm a good person. But the more I experience Jesus, the more I realize that the primary reason, not the only reason, but the primary reason he invites us to serve is not to meet the immediate needs of others. Those are good byproducts. The primary reason he invites us to serve is so that we can introduce people to God. So we can introduce people to God. Some of you are going to push back and you're going to say, well, that means you're serving with ulterior motives. Absolutely, yeah, I'm serving with ulterior motives. My ulterior motive is that someone that I serve would experience God and not just have some food today, but have a life with God in eternity. When we serve with that focus, it actually combats the three things I talked about. I said it leaves us feeling unfulfilled or, and discouraged because we think that we can't change anything. But the truth is, when we serve to introduce people to Jesus, what we're doing is we're not just giving someone food for the day and they'll be hungry tomorrow. We're, we're opening a door to help them experience God in eternity. It changes eternity. It takes away the feelings of superiority because we realize that, that we're no different. We're no better. Apart from God's love, we are, we are poor. We are hurting, we are in pain, and God has redeemed us and restored us, and he's healing us, and he's, he's changing our lives because he, he loves us. And so we're not better than anybody else. We're just one starving man telling another starving man where he can find a feast. That's what we're doing. And then it takes the focus off of us and puts it back on God. Why am I serving? Not because I'm all that great. Not because I have more stuff. I'm serving because, because God is a loving God, and God loves me, and he, he wants to love you. See, if Jesus' main goal in service was to end pain now, he would have said to the guy, hey bud, your legs are healed. Get up, take them for a stroll, see how they work, run a marathon, have fun. But he doesn't say that. Jesus looks at the man and he says what no one's expecting. He says, your sins are forgiven. Your eternity is changed. And these guys served you in order to bring you to me so that I could do what no one else can do, so that I could forgive you of your sins. And no one expected it. The paralyzed man didn't expect it. The guys who brought him didn't expect it. The religious leaders didn't expect it. They wanted to kill Jesus for saying it. And even when Jesus did heal the man, what's he say? He says, so that you know that I have the authority to forgive sins, I say to you, you're healed. If we can wrap our minds around that, I think it will fundamentally change the way that we serve. My wife has been serving me in the last two weeks because I basically can't serve myself. And, and it's awkward. It's, uh, it's really awkward to have your wife have to help you into the shower, have to have her help you get clothes. Hey, can you pick my clothes up for me? She loves that part. She's picking my clothes out all the time. <laughs> hey, can you go get me a cup of coffee? Can you t- give the kids a bath? I'm just going to go ahead and sit here and do nothing for the next five weeks. But she's, she stepped up to serve me. Why? Not because it's easy and not because I'm a good patient. But she's doing it because she knows that every time she serves me, she's giving me a picture of God, and she's, she's pushing me to God because God serves, because God loves, and so she serves, and she loves. See, if we, can, if we can change our paradigm and realize that the reason why we serve at the foundation is to give us an opportunity to introduce people to Jesus, then it changes the way we serve our kids. I don't serve my kids because they deserve it. You don't serve your kids because they deserve it. Listen, our kids are brats sometimes. We serve our kids because it gives us an opportunity to introduce them to Jesus. It changes the reason why we serve someone on the street corner. 
That's why we created these bags. Don't worry, I'm not going to roll off the edge. That's why we created these bags. These bags are bags we're giving out to folks who are living on the street, who are homeless. You can buy one for five bucks out in the lobby. But we didn't want to just give someone food. We put a 90-day devotional in there. And our goal for this is that you would give it to someone, start a conversation, and hopefully have an opportunity to introduce them to Jesus. Because his great goal would not be that they'd have food for today, although he wants that, and that's a great byproduct of service. His great goal is that they would be changed for eternity. That's why Jesus says things like, love your enemies. Why? Not because it's easy to love our enemies and serve our enemies, but because it opens the door for us to to help people experience Jesus. I'm really excited. I've been talking with some pastors from about 10 different churches around Petaluma, and we decided that on September 21st, and I want you to mark your calendar, September 21st, we're going to do something that we're calling Serve Together Petaluma. Serve Together 2013 is basically this. It's It's a collaboration. It's a collection of churches from all around the city who are going into our city to serve And why are we doing it? Because we believe that if the church is mobilized together and we all go out and serve on one day, people are going to ask this question, why are you doing that? Why are you spending your time serving? And we believe it gives us an opportunity to say, because God loves me, because God loves you, because God serves me, and I believe he wants to serve you. Do you you know God? And so our church, actually, we get to go to Wilson Elementary School, which is out on Bodega, and we're trying to gather 50 new lifers, which is not hard because there are over 100 people in this room right now. But 50 new lifers to go out, and they're redoing all of their playgrounds. So it's all wood chips, kind of nasty. If you've ever fallen on wood chips, it hurts, it cuts you. They're putting in this rubberized stuff, which is a lot better. They got a grant for it. And we get to go, and we get to do manual labor for the day. Who's excited about that? Man- manual labor for the day. Woo! Who doesn't want to? Do- Hopefully it'll be 95 degrees again. You know, I mean, that'd be fantastic. That'd be really great. Why are we doing it? Because I've been talking with their principal who doesn't know Jesus. And I've been telling him, man, because God God loves us as a community and he loves you and that's why we're coming to serve. So I want you to grab your Connect card because on the back of your Connect card, under, I want to put love into action by, the fourth thing down says, serve together 2013. I want to gather at least 50 of us together to serve. And if we have more, we'll do more so that we can love our city. And if you're open on the 21st, I want you to mark that down. Serve together 2013 so we can get information to you, so we can connect with you. I want us to be a church that serves because a great byproduct of service is that it meets needs in our city and around the world. But at the core of it, we do it so we can help people experience Jesus. Well, there's a a wrap-up to this story. This house that got dug through, most people believe that it was Peter's house or Peter's mother-in-law's house. Peter's one of Jesus' best friends. He's one of his disciples. And you can imagine if you're a homeowner, uh, you're having a Bible study in your house, and all of a sudden you hear a jackhammer, you see shovels, and someone tears a hole in your roof. That would, that would scar you, right? You would remember that. That would not be a fun thing. Well, Peter, having that scarred in his mind, he wrote a letter called First Peter. And in chapter 3, verse 15, this is what he says about why we should serve. And I think he remembered this situation. He says, basically in the context of this, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that you have. Always be prepared. Why do you say that? Because when we serve, here's the question you're going to get more than anything else. Why are you doing that? My wife and I are heading to India in four weeks to serve churches to care for them, and, and we went and got a lot of shots, which the day after I got my crutches, then I got shots in my arms. Very fun, very exciting. Really enjoyed that. Um, and the nurse said, why are you going to India? 
I said, well, we're going to, to serve and to love because uh, God, God loves us. God gave us an opportunity. And we said this summer, anytime we can love people, we're just going to go do it. And she was like, wow, that's, that's crazy. That's, uh, who does that? I said, well, Jesus followers do that. We had this great conversation. Uh, more than anything else, you're going to be asked the question, why? Why are you serving? Why are you doing this? And I want to challenge our church. Have a reason. Have an answer when people ask you that. Why are you giving me this love bomb? Well, because Jesus loves me and, and he serves me. And, and because of that, I want to love you and serve you. Do, you. do you know Jesus? Because he loves you in an incredible way. When you go out and we serve in Petaluma or we serve around the world and someone asks, why are you doing this? We can either say, well, I'm doing it because I feel called to serve. I'm doing it because service is right. I'm doing it because I feel better. I do it because I'm a great person. Or we can say, I do it because God loves me. And I believe God loves you. And to show you that God loves you, I'm taking time out of my schedule to serve you. I want to give us some ways that we can put this into practice. Because just hearing about serving and hearing about loving is not the same as doing it. So on the back of your notes, it says uh, learning to love. And we've given you three categories all summer long. Crawl, walk, and run. And basically, this is the context. If you're not great at service, if service doesn't come naturally to you, you might want to pick something in the crawl category to put it into practice, to practice what you're learning. Because we believe that, that information, which is what comes in, plus application, which is what goes out, leads us to transformation, and we want you to have a transformed life. So maybe crawl is the way to go. And here's an easy crawl step. Ask, what can I do to help to at least four people a day for the next seven days? One week, what can I do to help? And you can count your spouse and your kids if you want to, or you can go beyond that. What can I do to help? Or maybe you want to take a bigger step, go down to the walk category. And the top one is commit to one month of doing your housemate's most dreaded chores. By the way, if my wife wants to do that, she already is. I feel so bad for her, but she gets to serve me that way. You're welcome, honey. Um, or try to do every chore that you can think of without being asked for one week. Or here's a good run. Here's a good run next step. Down at the bottom, it says, look for ways to help and serve your most difficult coworker for the next week. How can you serve the person that you can't stand? Because I guarantee at the end of that week, they're going to ask you, why on earth are you doing this? And then like, like Peter, we can be ready with a response. I'm doing it because God loves me and he's changing me and I believe he loves you and he, he wants me to serve you. And just see where the conversation goes. Maybe you've been around New Life this summer uh, and you, you see something different here. You see people who genuinely love each other and care about each other. You see people who like to serve. The, the people who give you your name tag, they're smiling when they hand it to you. And, and the people who are passing communion, it seems like they want to do it. By the way, we don't pay those people to do that. They do it because they want to do it. And maybe you're, you're here and you're sensing something different about this community. Can I tell you what it is? This is a community of people who are experiencing the life-changing love of Jesus. They're experiencing forgiveness for their sin and a restored relationship with their Heavenly Father, and it is changing them. And that's why they serve. And I want to tell you, if you're here today and you've never entered into that kind of relationship with God, where you know in a very real way that He has forgiven you of your sins, where you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you can call God your heavenly Father in a very real, intimate way. If you've never made a decision to say yes to Him, then today is your day. I'm going to pray right now, and I'm going to give you an opportunity. If you've never given your life over to Jesus, if you've never had that faith-awakening experience where you say yes to God through His Son, Jesus, I'm going to give you a chance to pray with me. And you can repeat a simple prayer. It's not a magic spell. 
There's no perfect words. It's simply a, a prayer of commitment to God. If you're ready to do that, when we pray, uh, I'll just give you an opportunity to repeat after me. You can whisper it where you're sitting or say it in your head. But first, I want to pray for everyone. So would you join me as we pray together? Lord, I ask that you would, would take these words, that you would continue to show us the deepest levels of why you've called us to serve. We know that you created us to serve. We know that we feel good when we serve. We know that we ease pain when we serve. Ultimately, would you remind us that at the core of why we serve, it's to give us an opportunity to introduce people to you. And Lord, would you give us that opportunity as we go out today and this week to serve? And if someone asks us why, would you give us the words to share about why we, we live selfless lives, lives of service, lives of compassion? As we continue to pray, if you're here today and you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ, and yet you sense that God is calling you to himself, that this makes sense, that this is real, you can repeat these simple words of commitment right after me. You can whisper them where you sit, or you can, uh, you can say them in your heart. But you just repeat these words after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you came to this earth and lived a perfect life. And I believe that you came not to be served, but to serve. And that you gave your life as a sacrifice to pay the penalty for my sin. And today I invite you to come into my life. I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. I ask that you would draw me back into a relationship with my heavenly Father. That you would fill me with your Holy Spirit that you would show me what it looks like to walk with you every day from this day forward into eternity. And I pray all of these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.